Shalom to all. Today's office site to Mem. Hey, we are starting about the seventh line with the word Masnisin. And today's office sponsor, Lili Nishmas, Mars Miram Sarabas, Yaakov Maisha, her Nishama should have an aliyah, and Lili Nishmas, Rabiasiv Yantif, Benabra Usher Anshul, his Nishama should have an aliyah. Now, the Mishnah said the members of Sanhedrin, the Bezan Agadal of Yushalayim, must come out to measure which city the corpse is closest to. So, Gamar tells us Masnisin, the like Rabiasiv Yaakov, our Mishnah seems to be not like Rabiasiv Yaakov. The Tanya of Abraisa, Rabiasiv Yaakov, Aimer, he tells us, Zikinecha, when the Puzzle says that word, Zu Sanhedrin, that refers to Sanhedrin. And when the Pasuk tells us that, that refers to the king and the Kohen Gadol. How do we know that Shaifet refers to the king? The Pasuk tells us, So we see that a Melch has to do with Mishpat, meaning the word Shaifet. And Kohen Gadol, how do we know that? The Pasuk says, So we see that both king and Kohen Gadol has to do with the word Shaifet. And that's what the Pasuk is telling us. In other words, we need to have the king and the Kohen Gadol coming out to do this measurement as well, according to Rabbi Yezbun Yaakov. Now, by the way, who that's the following question? Rabbi Yezbun Yaakov, the Melch of Kohen Gadol, who the Pasuk is he only arguing in regards to the king and the Kohen Gadol? Avob Sanhedri, Ikreb Yehuda, Ikreb Shem Sfirle. But when it comes to Sanhedrin, he either holds Ikreb Yehuda that we need five or Reb Shimon that we need three. I don't want perhaps with Sanhedrin, Nami Pollock, he argues even with the Sanhedrin, Adekakul Sanhedri, that according to Blaise Bniakov, the entire Sanhedrin has to come out to do this measurement. So Rabbi Yisra, Rabbi Yisra says, Tashma, I'll bring you a raya. Now the following raya comes from a topic called Zakin Mamre, which literally means a rebellious elder. And this refers to Zakin who paskins against the Sanhedrin. And in certain circumstances, he may even be killed for it. So Brasset tells us, Metzan Zakin Mamre, Abe Pagi. Let's say the Zakin Mamre, this rebellious elder, found the Sanhedrin by Bay Pagi, which is within the outer wall of Yerushalayim, but it's not the normal place where the Sanhedrin sits. We know the Sanhedrin is in the Lishkas Hagazis, which is in the Bismarck compound, and they passed the Halacha one way, the Himra Lehen, but he rebelled against them and he passed against them. You might think that this is considered a rebellion and we're going to kill him for it. Tom Lemons, why the Pasuk says, and you're going to get up and go to the place. And what does this Makim teach us? That tells us that the Makim, the place, that's what's Gairim, that's what causes him to be a Zakin Mamre. In other words, he's only considered a Zakin Mamre if he rebels against a Halacha, the Sanhedrin Paskind, when they were in the Lishkas Hagazes, and that's what the Makim is referring to. But in our situation where he found them by base Pagi, he found them outside the Lishkas Hagazes, so even though they Paskind one way and he Paskind against them, that's not considered a case of a Zakin Mamre where he's going to be killed. So now we analyze this. Denofakama, how many of the Sanhedrin left the Lishkas Hagazes and were by base Pagi? Elim, if you want to say Denofakmuktasan, that only some of them left, maybe the ones that were still left inside Lishkas Hagazes hold like the Zakin Mamre, and he's really not a rebellious Zakin. Halapshita must be Dinafakulu that all the Sanhedrin left the Lishkas Hagazes and they were in base Pagi. Now, Ulamai, so why did they leave? Ila Dvar if they just went out for Dvar Hershos, something which is discretionary, it's not a mitzvah, Mimatsu Nafki, are they all allowed to leave? Vaksev, the Pasuk says, Sharei Chagan Hasar Al Yachsar Hamazeg. Literally, this Pasuk means your navel is like a moon shaped basin, the blend shouldn't be lacking. But the Joshua of the Pasuk is as follows Sharei means your navel, and that refers to the Sanhedrin, which are like the navel, they're the center of Am Yisrael. Agan Hasar, they're in a moon-shaped basin, that's where they used to sit in Lishkas Hagazes. Al Yachsar Hamazeg, the blend shouldn't be lacking, that means that the entire Sanhedrin is never allowed to leave Lishkas Hagazes, there has to be at least a third of the Sanhedrin always there at all times. As we continue, if one of them needs to leave, if there's at least 23 of the Sanhedrin there, that corresponds to the smaller Sanhedrin of 23 Dayanim, then he's allowed to leave. If not, that Dayan's not allowed to leave. So it can't be that the entire Sanhedrin cleared out for a Dvar Hershos. It must be that the entire Sanhedrin cleared out because 
Dvar Mitzvah. Now, Lamai, what type of Mitzvah are we referring to that all the Sanhedrin left the Lishkas HaGazes? Lavlam Medidas Egla? Isn't it they left to make this measurement for the Egla Rufa, Rebbe Yezab Niyakavhi, and it's according to Rebbe Yezab Niyakav? So we see that Rebbe Yezab Niyakav holds that the entire Sanhedrin has to be there to measure which city this corpse is closest to. I told him, that's not a Raya. Maybe the reason why the Sanhedrin left is because they wanted to add on to the city, meaning to Yerushalayim or on to the Azaris. Now we have a Mishnah that tells us, we're only allowed to add on to the city or to the Azaris if we have the Bezin of 71. So that could be the reason why they left and not to measure for the Egla Rufa. But now, Tanya Kavasu Rabbi Yosef, we have a Brasa like Rabbi Yosef, the Rabbi Yosef Nyaka requires the entire Sanhedrin to be there for the measuring because the Brasa tells us, Matzon Abes Pagay, let's say the Zakin Mamre found them by Base Pagay, the Himralayan and he rebelled against them, Kigayan, for example, why were they by Base Pagay? Shiyatzalom Didas Egla, Oilo Hesval Irval Azaris, because they had left to do a measurement for the Egla Rufa. Or to add on to the city in the Hazaras, you might think that his rebellion is considered a rebellion, he's going to be killed for it. But we see from here a very clear Brysa that tells us that they would all leave Lishkasa Gazis in order to do Medidas Egla Rufa. And we continue explaining the Mishnah, Nimsaton Bagal, Talib Elon, and these were a number of different scenarios that the Egla Rufa would not be brought. Now the Gemara suggests, let's say our Mishnah is Rabbi Huda, not the Rabbanon. The time you have a Brysa. Now this Brysa talks about Shecha, and we know that Shecha is when a person has a bundle in the field and he forgot to pick it up and bring it along. Along with him, so it has to be left for the Aniyim. So the Pasik tells us, and you forgot a bundle in the field. This tells us, Prat Lataman, this excludes a bundle that was hidden. opinion. They say, when the Pasik tells us, you forgot a bundle in the field, that's including a bundle that's hidden, even though it was hidden, and that's why you forgot it, still it's considered Shechan has to be left for the Aniyim. So it seems to be that Aramish is a to Rabbi Yehuda, because Rabbi Yehuda says that if you forgot a bundle in the field only because it was hidden, that's not considered Shecha, so if a corpse was in the field, but it was hidden by a pile of stones, it's not considered Egla Rufa, whereas the Rabbanon seem to say that even though something's hidden, it's still considered like it's in the field, and therefore a body hidden in a field under a pile of stones would be subject to Egla Rufa. Now, Amarav, Rav tells us that no, a field tame Rabbanon, you could even say Amrish is Rabbanon. Hachaminyani dekra, hachaminyani dekra. Over here, we have to understand what the context of the Pasuk is, and over there by Shechel, we have to understand the context of the Pasuk. Dixley, the Pasuk says over here, Kimasechal, when a chal, when a corpse is found. Now, that's Mashma Hechad Mishtakach. However, which way it's found, it would be subject to Egla Rufa. That's Mashma, even if it's found under a pile of stones. But now the Pasuk says, Ba'adama, on the Adama, Pratlatamun, that extra word is now clearly telling us that we're excluding it if it's hidden and would not be subject to Egla Rufa. And Mahasam Yani Dekra, over there, we also have to understand the context of the Pasuk. The Chsev, in regards to Shechad, says, When you harvest your field, and you forget a bundle. What do we learn from here? The forgetting of the bundle has to be similar to the harvesting. Just like the harvest, meaning the grain that's being harvested, that's out in the open, it's not hidden under anything. So too, that which is forgotten is only something that's forgotten out in the open, but not if it's hidden by something. And therefore, when the Pasuk tells us, that must be that it's coming to include something which is hidden. Why doesn't Rabbi Yehuda learn Shechah similar to Katsir? So the Gemara says, you're right, and Hanami, he does learn. So what does Rabbi Yehuda do with the Pasuk of Besada? He learns that to include Shechah's Kama. In other words, if a person is harvesting their field and they forget to harvest a certain patch of land, that's considered Shechah as well. Rabbanon, Shechah's come in Allahu, how did Rabbanon know that if a person forgot to harvest some grain, that's also considered Shechah? Naftalhumi ki siktar kitzircha basadecha, they learn it from that Pasuk. Rabbi Yehudim bailechid Rabbavo, Am Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yehudim use it for the following Joshua, Am Rabbavo, Am Rabbi Lazar, Pratlashet Safuai Maran Lesech Sadechavero, this excludes if the wind floated some bundles into his friend's field, which means the wind blew them into his friend's field, and that's the reason why he forgot them. That's not considered Shechah, because it says kitzircha basadecha in your field, and it's not his field. Rabbanon, 
Rabbanon, and how do they know that? Mi basadeh, basadecha. It could have just said the word sadeh. Instead, it says the word sadecha, so they have the extra drasha. Rabbi Yehuda, basadeh, basadecha, loy mashmalei. Rabbi Yehuda doesn't darshan anything out of this extra letter chaf, and therefore he doesn't have to answer how to darshan for that. So at least we can include over here that even though we have machlekes, Rabbi Yehuda and the Rabbanon, in regards to tamun, something that's hidden when we're dealing with shecha, everyone would agree that in our Mishnah, if the corpse, this chalal, was hidden under a pile of stones or something like that, it would not be subject to agla rufa. But now we continue talking about shecha. What about if bundles were floated into his field? Now, what does that mean, bundles were floated into his field? So when we're talking about them floating into his friend's field, that means that the wind blew them into his friend's field. Over here, when they're floating in his field, that means that they're simply not lying on the floor. For example, they were placed or the wind blew them onto a rock or a boulder or a fence or something like that, so they're not actually resting on the ground. What's Allah over there if he forgot them? Avir Sadiq Sadadami, the airspace of the field, is that considered like the field itself? And it would be Shekha, Allah Sadadami, or it's not like the field, and it's not Shekha. So Ramalai of Kahanalai of Papa, he answers, Ramri Lar of Kahanalai of Zvid, some say of Kahanalai telling Rav Zvid, Tifshal Emid Rebbevo, Amrib Lazar. Let's have an answer for this based off of Rebbevo, said Vishem Rebbelazar. Damar, he had said, Pratla should suffer in Marlon Sadiq Sadai Chaveroi. This excludes that there's no din of Shekha if the wind blew bundles into his friend's field. And what do we learn from here? The Chaveroi in, if the wind blew bundles into his friend's field, and right now, we're understanding that the word saf means that it blew it into the field, but it's not resting on the field. It's resting on a boulder or a fence or something like that. Only then it's not considered shecha because it's in his friend's field. But if it's saf in his field, meaning it's not on the ground, but it's on something else, there's no p'tur of shecha, meaning he'd be chayv to leave it for the aniyim. But the Gemara says that can't be because does that mean to say that if it was safu, if it was blown onto something else in his friend's field, that's not considered shecha. But if it was blown into his friend's field, but it's resting on the ground, there's no p'tur of shecha over there? How could that be? We still have to fill the part of the Pasuk that says in your field, and it's not in your field, it's in your friend's field. That if it was blown into his friend's field, even if it's resting on the ground in the field, there's a p'tur of shecha because it's not in your field. By the comrade Tzafu, and the fact that the Lashon of Tzafu was mentioned, that's just telling us, the only way that his bundle is going to get into his friend's field is if it was Tzafu, meaning he was bloated or it was blown there by the wind, so that's the way it got to his friend's field. But it's not telling us anything about if the bundle's in his field, just not on the ground, what the halacha is. So Gemara says, Tashma, we have an attempted raya. We have a raya that tells us, If a person grabbed hold of a bundle and he wanted to bring it to the city, and he placed it on top of another bundle, and he forgot both of these bundles, the bottom one is shecha and the upper one is not. However, neither of them are shecha. The bottom one is not shecha because it's tamun, it's being hid by the upper one. And the upper one is not shecha because it's floating, meaning it's not resting on the ground. Now, what do we see from here? The whole machlekes over here is only in regards to the bottom bundle. Is it considered shecha or not? But when we're dealing with the upper one, everyone agrees it's not considered shecha. So we see from here that saf, when something's not resting on the ground, it's not considered shecha. So Gemara says, no, that's not a raya. Shani hasim, that case is different. Since he grabbed hold of that upper bundle, so he was already zaycha in it, it's not considered shecha. Something's only considered shecha if he was forgotten completely in the field. But here, he picked it up, he intended to bring it back home, he just forgot about it afterwards, that's not called a full-fledged shecha. If so, why is the Brasa has to tell us that he placed it down on top of another bundle? Even if he simply placed it down on the field and it wasn't on top of anything, it should also not have a din of shecha because he had taken it to bring it to the city. So it shouldn't be considered shecha in any situation. 
situation. The Gemara says, you're right, and Echnami, that would be the halacha as well. The only reason why the Brasa emphasized that he took this bundle and he placed it on top of another one is Mishum Tachtoin, is to tell us the halacha regarding the bottom bundle. Is it considered Talmud or is it not? As the Gemara, the Brasa says that the reason why it's Potter is because it's Tzaf, because it's not on the ground. Mashmad, if it was placed on the ground, it would be Shecha. So we answer that really the way we should understand the Brasa is Ema Mipneshahu Kitzaf. The reason why this upper bundle is not Shecha is because it's like it's Tzaf. What does that mean? It's like it's Tzaf. It's like it's floating in the air, meaning it's like he's holding it. And that's why it's not considered Shecha, no matter if it's on top of another bundle or if it's on the ground. In this situation, when he picked up the bundle to bring it to the city and then subsequently forgot it in the field, it's not considered Shecha at all in any which manner. Now we continue talking about this. Amr Abayi says, I'm like Ben Azai in the marketplace of Tiberia. What does that mean? So Ben Azai used to sit in the marketplace of Tiberia and he would darshan very sharply and answer everyone's questions very clearly. So one day Abayi was feeling very sharp and his mind was clear. So he said, I'm like Ben Azai, ask me any question you want. So I'm like, one of the Rabban asked Abayi the following question. We have two chalam, two corpses, one on top of another. From which one do we measure? One corpse was a little closer to that city. One corpse was a little closer to the other city. So which one do we measure from? And here's the halachic analysis. Do we say that one min with the same exact min is considered tamun? That means that the bottom body is considered tamun. It's considered hidden by something, even though it's being hidden by the same min because it's one body on top of another. So therefore, we can't measure from the bottom body. However, one min with another is not considered tzaf. So the upper one is not considered like it's floating or it's on top of something and that it's not in the field. It is considered on the field or on the ground. And therefore, we measure from the upper body. Perhaps we say the other way around. The min b'minoi is considered tzaf. So the upper one is not considered like it's on the ground. However, maybe min b'minoi is not considered tamun, and therefore we would measure from the bottom one. Maybe we would say both. The min b'minoi is tamun, so we can't measure from the bottom one, and min b'minoi is considered tzaf, so we can't measure from the upper one. We're not going to measure from the bottom one or the upper one. So I told him, we learned in our bias that we just quoted. A person took hold of a bundle that he meant to bring to the city, and he placed it on top of another one, and he forgot both of them. Tanakama holds that the bottom one is Shecha, but the upper one is not. The bottom one because it's Tamun, and the upper one because it's Tzaf. Now, how is it this is an answer? Now, Savrua, they thought that what's my chlex between the Tanakama and Rabshim ben Yehuda? They both of them hold like Rabbi Yehuda. The Amar Rabbi Yehuda holds Besada Prat Tamun that the Pasuk tells us Besada and that excludes Tamun. So therefore something that's Tamun is definitely not Shecha. My lab Hakamethagi. So what are they arguing about? The Mar Savar Rabshim ben Yehuda holds Min B'minai have a Tamun. Then when we have one Min covering over the same exact Min, that's considered Tamun. Umar Savar, whereas the Tanakama holds Loi have a Tamun. It's not considered Tamun. And therefore the lower bundle is Shecha because it's not considered Tamun because it's being covered by another bundle. Then we say Loi that can't be because Ik Rabbi Yehuda who if you want to say they hold like Rabbi Yehuda that Tamun is Potter to call the Min B'minai have a Tamun. Everyone would also say that Min B'minai is considered Tamun. So what's the machlekes? Over here, they're arguing the same thing that Rabbi and the Rabbanon are arguing in. The Rabbanon, Rabbanon. The Rabbanon here hold like the Rabbanon. That's something that's Tamun still has a din of Shecha. Whereas Rabbi Shimon Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Shimon Yehuda holds like Rabbi Yehuda that Tamun does not have a din of Shecha. Ask the Gemara, that's really so. My Iriel Gabi Chaveroi. Why does the Brisa have to say that we're talking about one bundle on top of another? I feel buffer for Nami. We could even be talking about a case where this bundle is being covered by dirt or by pebbles, and we would still have the same machlekes regarding Tamun. The Gemara says, and Echnami, one hundred percent right. The only reason why we said that we're talking about one bundle on top of another, is just to tell us the strength of Rabbi Huda, the Amr that he says, that even though it's the same min, it's 
still considered Tamun. Now, how's Abaye giving an answer from this Brisa? So we see from here that everyone would agree that at least in the case of Egla Rufa, that Tamun is a heter, meaning that if a corpse is Tamun, it's not going to be subject to Egla Rufa. So a body covered by another body is considered Tamun, and that would be Pater from Egla Rufa. Okay, can you talk about Egla Rufa? Tanarabana, we have a Brisa. Chalal. It says in the Pasuk, if a corpse is found, Veloy Chanuk. That tells us it can't be that the corpse is strangled. It has to be Chalal. What does it mean, Chalal? So Chalal over here refers to someone killed by a sharp metal instrument, but not someone who's strangled. Furthermore, Chalal, Veloy Mefarper. It has to be that he's a corpse and not that he's in death throes. If he's in the throes of death, even though he's for sure going to die, still, he's not considered a Chalal, and we would have a tour from Egla Rufa. The Pasuk says, Badama. What do we learn from here? Veloy Talmud Begal. Not if it's hidden in a pile. The Pasuk tells us, Neufel has fallen on the field. Veloy Talmud Not if it's hanging in the tree. Basada, what does that tell us? Veloy Talmud Begal. Not that it's floating on the water. Nerbalazar, Amir Blazar says, Bakulon Imhai Chalal Arfin. In all these cases we just mentioned, as long as the corpse was a Chalal, again, it was killed by a sharp metal instrument, so then we would do an Egla Rufa, even though, for example, it's hanging on a tree. But now, Tanya, we have a brass which is going to be used to ask a question. Amr Abiyasi Bar Yehuda, Abiyasi Bar Yehuda said that Amr Loyal Reb Lazar, they told Reb Lazar, Yeah, don't you agree that if the corpse was strangled and it was placed in an ashba, that we're not going to do the Egla Rufa over here? Now, Alma, what do we see from this question? That Chalav Lechanuk, the Reb Lazar agrees to this limud of Chalav Lechanuk that it has to be killed by a sharp metal instrument and not that it was strangled. Hachanami, so we should also say over here, Ba'adam of Lechanuk Begal, Naif of the Rebelazer also should agree to the subsequent drushas that it was found hanging or floating on the water, that there would be no Egal Rufa either. Sigmar says, no, Rebelazer, Chal Yaserik Siv. According to Rebelazer, there's an extra word Chalal. There's actually multiple words Chalal over here in the parish of Egla Rufa. And according to Rebelazer, those multiple words of Chalal tell us that it has to be that it was killed by a sharp metal instrument, and that's what's considered a Chalal. If not, then there's a Ptur of Egla Rufa. But all the other situations, we don't have a Ptur of Egla Rufa. And we can explain the Mishnah. We had said, Nimsu Samachaspar, if this body was found close to the border, or near a city that the majority is not Jews, so then there's no Egla Rufa. Why is that? Because the Pazak says, Ki if it's found, if it's found, this is a surprise. Wow, this is strange. There's a dead body here. Prat Lamatsui, that excludes something that's common. And it's pretty common to find the corpse near a city that's inhabited mostly by Gaim or near a border city that's near Gaim. That's because it's common that Gaim carry out acts of murder. So this is not considered a case of Ki that something was found and this is a unique situation. Now we had said in the Mishnah, Oil Yershain Babazdin, that we're not going to measure to a city that doesn't have a Bezdin. Why is that? That's because we have to fill the Pasuk that says that the Zakanim of the city come out and there's no Zakanim in that city. Now the Mishnah concluded by saying, in Maidin el Vahulu, we only measure to a city that has a Bezdin. The Gemara asked Pshita, that's obvious. Since we had just said in the Mishnah that we're not going to do an Egla Rufa with a city that doesn't have a Bezdin, so I know from there that I'm only going to measure to a city that has a Bezdin. Why does the Mishnah have to repeat itself? So the Gemara answers, Akamashmon is teaching us Ketanya like the following Bezdin. How do we know that if this corpse was found near a city that does not have a Bezdin, that we leave that city, and we measure it to the next city that does have a Bezdin, even though that city is further away. The Pasuk says, wherever the city is. In other words, what the Mishnah is telling us is if we don't have a Bezdin in the city that it's closest to, we're just going to skip over that city and find the next city closest to this corpse that has a Bezdin, and then we're going to measure. And moving on to New Mishnah, continuing to talk about Agla Rufa. Let's say this corpse was found precisely in between two cities, and there wasn't even so much of a threads difference in between them. Rebelezer says that each city has to bring an Egla Rufa. The Mishnah continues, in Yerushalayim, via Egla Rufa, Yerushalayim is not going to bring an Egla Rufa. Meaning, if there's a corpse found outside Yerushalayim, we don't measure to Yerushalayim, we measure to the next city that has a Bezdin. Mishnah continues, Let's say the head of the corpse is found in one place and his body is found in a different place. Rebelezer says, we 
bring the head to the body. Rabbi Kiva and Rabbi Kiva says, We bring the body to the head. Now the Mishnah asks, Where do they measure from? We have a body. Where on the body do we start measuring from? Rabbi Yezer he says, From the navel, from the belly button. Rabbi Kiva he says, From the nose. Whereas Rabbi Yezer he says, From the place where a person becomes a chalal, a corpse, which is, from his neck. Now the Gemara asks on the first part of the Mishnah, My time is Rabbi Yezer. What's Rabbi Yezer's reasoning? That these two cities that are equidistant to the body each have to bring an egg Rufa. That's because Kasavar Eftral Tzamtzim, he holds that it's possible to be precise in this measurement. In other words, he holds that it's possible to have this body precisely in between these two cities. And how do we know this from the Pasuk? The Pasuk tells us Ukraiva, the city which is closer, that tells us Vafilu Kraivais, even if there's two cities that are close, meaning we have two cities that are equidistant to the body, both of them are going to bring. And we said, in Yushlaim via Egla Rufa, the city of Yushlaim is not going to bring an Egla Rufa to Amarkra because the Pasuk says, Lirishta, to inherit it. That's what the Pasuk tells us about Egla Rufa, that if we find the corpse near a city, that we are to inherit. Because Savar, in the town of this Mishnah holds, Yushalayim learned his the Shvatim, the Yushalayim was not divided up among the Shvatim. Yushalayim wasn't owned by any particular Shevet. It's for all of Am Yisrael, and therefore it's not considered a Rishta, it's not for inheritance, because everyone owns it. Now we discussed Nimsa Rashi Makam Chulu, that if the head and the body were found in two separate places, we had a Machlaikas, do we bring the head to the body or the body to the head? Now, my Kamefilgi, what's the Machlaikas? Even if you want to say the Indian Medida Kamefilgi, the whole Machlaikas is where we measure from Hamiktani Seifa, from the fact that the Seifa in the Mishnah says, where do we measure from? From, and we had a three It must be that the ratio, meaning this discussion of does the head go to the body or the body go to the head, that's not talking about where we measure from. He answers, is in regards to being kind of its place. And this is what the mission is saying. In regards to burying a mes mitzvah, which is a corpse that's found in the middle of nowhere, and we don't know who he is, and we have a mitzvah to bury him where he is. And that's what it means that he's kind of makaimai, he's kind of the place where he is. When we find the head in one place and the body in a different place, Rebbe Yezer holds that we're going to bring the head towards the body, and that's where we're going to bury him. Whereas Rebbe Kiva, Rebbe Kiva says, that we're going to bring the body to the head, and that's where we're going to bury him. So Michael, what are they arguing about? Rebbe Yezer holds that his body fell exactly where he was beheaded, whereas Reisha did not even fill. It was his head that rolled and fell in a different place, and that's where we're going to bring his head to his body. Whereas Umar Sava, Rebbe Kiva holds, Reisha his head fell exactly where he was beheaded, and it's Gufa who derived Azil. It's his body that was running and continued. Meaning, we're assuming right now that this corpse was running away from the person who was chasing him, and the fellow managed to behead him, so his head fell down right away, but his body continued moving, and that's why his body is separate from his head. But that's why we have to bring his body closer to his head, because that's really where he was kind of his place, where his head fell. Now we had this Machlekes in the Mishnah, where did they measure from? And we had a three year Machlekes. The Gemara asked, what exactly is Machlekes? So, according to Kiva, Iker Chiyusei is in his nose. And we're understanding that Iker Chiyusei means the most critical bodily function. And the most critical bodily function is breathing. So that's how we're going to measure from his nose. Umar Savar, Iker Chiyusei Betibure. Whereas Rabbi Yezer holds that Iker Chiyusei is from his belly button, from his navel, because that's what processes his food. The Gemara suggests, Lemikani Tanoi, let's say this is like the following Tanoi, Mehechen of Vlad Neutzer, where is the child created from? Meaning when a child starts forming, where does he start forming from? So one Mandamar says, Mehechen from his head. Vechenu Emer, as it says in the Pasuk, Literally, this means you pulled me from my mother's womb. But I mean, another Pasuk says, Gazi Nizrech Vashlichiv Gaimer, pull out your hair and throw it out. So you see, the word that has a Sherish, Gimel Zayin, has to do with a head. And so, therefore, we can understand the Pasuk of Mime E Imi Atogazi to mean, from the womb of my mother, you formed my head. So you see, the child starts being formed from his head. Whereas Abishal, I'm Abishal, says, Mitiburai. The child starts forming from his navel, Umshalech Sharshai Elch Ve'elach, and all the roots, meaning the rest of the body, continues going out from there. So it seems to be Machlaikas or Bekivan or Beliezer is the same Machlaikas Tanakam and Abishal. So Mar says, No, I feel the Abishal, you can even say this like Abishal, because Ad Kalakam 
Abishol, we could say that Abishol only says his opinion El Inyitzira in regards to the forming of the child. Then when the child is formed, he's formed from his middle. But in regards to his life, what's his most critical bodily function? We could say that everyone agreed that that would be his nose, meaning his breathing function. Because the Pesach says, So that Pesach clearly tells us that Nishmas Ruachayim is in the nose. And our third opinion was from the place where he became a Chol, and that's his neck. Now my time to Rebbe Yaakov, what's his reasoning? That's Kehlsev, because the Pesach says, to place your necks with those of the corpses of the wicked, so we see that a person becoming a corpse has to do with a neck. And that's where Rebbe Yaakov gets his opinion from. We're going to stop here for the day, pick up tomorrow with the mission, and continue to talk about the process of Egla Rufa for now. Everyone should have a wonderful day.